Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello. How are you doing? Thanks for downloading Spin the Rally Pod. And once again, I should let you know we are going extreme. No, we won't be X-rated, but we certainly could be talking a bit dirty after the dusty desert round of the Extreme E Championship from Saudi Arabia. I'm Lisa O'Sullivan and I'm joined by our Dirtfish.com panel, senior staff writer David Evans, Extreme E experts Anna Duxbury and Dominic Wilde, and Spin's former resident motorsport team boss, George Donaldson. Now, I can't wait to hear all of your thoughts, but I think we need to start with you, David Evans, because you were there what was it like on the ground uh it it was hot it was definitely hot and very dusty uh and actually it was it was great it was a fantastic event i've got to be i've got to be honest uh lise it was it was incredible you know you have to maybe we'll get well we will get around to the racing side the environmental side the gender equality side all of that but what we have to say from the out, from the from the outset is that to take an empty desert and to put a race series in there, you know, with with full kind of 4G and Wi-Fi and connectivity and everything, you know, literally everything had to be self-sustained or self-sourced, sorry, uh, and it was done. And, you know, it, in a sort of two and a half, three week window, Extreme E has been there and got and it will be gone. Uh, and, you know, this mantra of racing without a trace, race without a trace, you know, it, it will be it will be true. There will be nothing left of it. And to actually see the infrastructure that they put into place was it was quite breathtaking. Uh because obviously, you know, you're surrounded by deserts and rocks and everything in this in this kind of valley. Uh and, and it was astonishing what they what they achieved. So, you know, absolutely hats off to Alejandro Agag and his team. Um and yeah, great. It was it was it was superb. Can I ask you about yeah. the journalistic side of things very quickly? That uh, I, you know, <laughs> we've been in those media rooms in various parts of the world, um, covering rallies, left, right, and centre, struggling for Wi-Fi. All the photographers mm. struggling to get images and stuff out like that. Was was that something that was no, good? Abs- it just worked an absolute treat. Uh, it was it was a tent with two huge air conditioning units at either end. Uh, think of sort of a mess tent um, from from the army. That was it was exactly that color, and that's exactly what it was. Uh, and it was it just worked brilliantly. You know, the what they'd done was they had from Alula, which was the nearest town, which was actually quite a big town. Uh, I think it's actually a city. Um, I'm not sure, but it was big. They took uh, a a kind of that was uh, a sort of mobile hub, and then they sort of stepping stones they bought it out to the desert so there were sort of repeaters all the way out every so so often until he got this huge mast up in the in the at the at the the race location on site um 
and and the the 4G it was 4G as I say and the Wi-Fi you know the download speed the upload speed it was all you know as quick as we'd get in central London. Uh, in fact, wow, Jason, Jason, Jay, well, yeah, Jason Barlow, one of the journalists that was there with us, was saying, you know, it's incredible. You know, we're in the middle of the desert, uh, and and his Wi-Fi was actually quicker there than it was in his office at home. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was all great. The only problem was, the minute you sort of stepped outside of the the four G area, uh, the phone just died completely, nothing, um, until he got back to the sort of main road, um, which was a bit of a pain because when we when our bus got stuck um and bogged down we had no <laughs> no mobile phone service so somebody had to run to the top of a hill which wasn't me uh to to find some some signal um but I no honestly you going was... up in your chinos and jumper there <laughs> yeah no that that didn't happen I, I sat back on the bus and did some typing instead um having directed operations to dig us out and failed uh so no i just i just went and carried on working but it it was it was incredible and you know it would it would have been amazing to see a sort of time lapse from the minute that Extreme E arrived, you know, the first car on site to see it all, uh, the whole race week play out and then for it all to go away again. Um, it's, it's great. And the teams all had their own individual um, kind of garages that were, that were t- tents essentially with, and then there were some of these um, sort of blow up um, gazebo kind of operations uh so yeah obviously none of it there were no permanent structures um at all it was yeah very good anna you've been um preparing for this event for a while how did it go down in in your eyes yeah it was good to finally see some action after so many months of waiting for it um and i think we can all agree we had quite a worthy winner in the end um it's a little bit disappointing we didn't get a bit more actual side-by-side racing that we've been promised all this time um but it was inevitable, really, with that much dust that it just wasn't feasible to to mm. race side by side all the time. Um, but I think we got plenty of action. We got crashes. We got some really strong racing. Um, we we got it all in the end. So it was a lot of fun to watch. What, what really impressed you? Um, I think Christopherson and Molly Taylor. We knew that they were going to be the front runners. We knew that they were a very talented pairing, but. To actually see them out there on the dunes and actually see what they could do um, really impressed me. Yeah, they, they, they were incredibly, incredibly strong. Uh, and, you know, I can only echo there what Anna said, that it was, it was very disappointing, the lack of, the lack of racing. Uh, and we knew, you know, as soon as we got there um, and went to have a look round uh, on the Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, I can't remember what day, uh, you know, just talking to the likes of, of Carlos and, and, and Sebastian Loeb, you could totally predict that that it was going to be impossible. You know, it was once the the it was hard to describe really the surface. It was it was quite a, it was a sandy surface, but then when it became kind of compacted, it sort of turned into fesh fesh, um, and it was kind of just like it was it was talcum powder. Uh, I don't know if you you were there, Lise, but back in two thousand and one, uh, when we were last on saf- on the safari rally. Uh, in Suswa, it was exactly the same, uh, and literally, you know, as you put your foot down, this whole cloud of dust just erupts, uh, and it was, it was shocking. And I think, you know, the the drivers were really quite frustrated um, by that, but it did immediately brought this kind of great divide um, between the the more European based racers that were very very cautious. You know, someone like Jensen Button was enormously cautious about running in the dust, 
Uh, and then, uh, you know, you went and talked to Kyle LeDuc uh, and Sarah Price. Uh, and they were just, they're obviously, they're the American guys who've done trophy truck racing and stuff. And they were just like, get on with it, you know? Yeah. And and whilst um, the organizers were were very concerned on the Friday for Shakedown and put this time trial uh, format into place, even at that point, LeDuc was saying, let's just get it on. You know, let's run nine abreast and, and let's just crack on with it. Um, which you know, all of that kind of came back to haunt him a little bit um, when when he when he crashed. But it it was a difficult one, um, and you know, for me, that was one of my prime frustrations. Um, and talking to a gag about it, you know, how can you go to the desert and not expect dust? Uh, and and the thinking was that they'd been there in January, they'd had a good look round, uh, and the dust wasn't so bad. Well, talking to some of the locals that's the way it works you know in in january the temperature is it naturally it's a lot cooler uh and the sand is actually forming itself differently um and then apparently these sand dunes had shifted a bit and blah 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 for me it was it was stupid uh you know it was always going to be dust and it was always going to be this kind of a problem immediately while we were there the um carlos came up with a whole bunch of 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 options uh because he had you know, he has so much experience with Dakar. And he said, you know, the minute that you take the cars more into the dunes and the minute you get some more, you know, that you have to climb up stuff, you, you get some more vertical and stuff and more drops off the dune. Not big dunes like the two that we saw, but just smaller stuff. Essentially, make it more make it more technical, put some more compressions in there. Then the speed will come down and the dust is slightly more manageable uh, and give them slightly wider gates so they could take a wider line. And I could, you know, you could see what they tried to do. Uh, with these huge dunes and making it super spectacular uh, and it was great and I said to Carlos you know that's what they're after is this awesome landscape that we got and and he said yeah that's great he said but you know after two minutes everybody stopped looking at the backdrop and then they just want racing uh, so is it not better yeah, to sort I, of I, I was going to say I agree with that because I was looking at it from the UK and it reminded me very much of one of the really bad Star Wars films, one of the ones that had Jar Jar Binks in it. Um, but it did look very otherworldly. So, Dominic, you're very quiet. What did you think? I mean, I, I agree with everything that's been said so far, but at the same time, I'm kind of willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, first of all, I'm not in favour of, of last-minute um, format changes at all. I understand why they've done it, and if it's on safety grounds, then, you know, okay, I'll stay quiet in the corner and, and let them get on with it. Can you explain that um, a bit more? So, well, yeah, I mean, if if my my take is if you're going to have a racing championship, you know, you've got to stick to, to the game plan. It's kind of like starting a soccer game and then saying, okay, a goal is when you hit the ball into the stands, not in the net, after the whistle's been blown. Um, but they were planning to have a test race and they couldn't do that because of COVID, and you can't exactly point the finger at them for that. So that's why I, I say I'd give them the benefit of the doubt, because if they had got this test race underway, they'd know what was wrong, they'd know what worked, they'd know what didn't work, and they could have sorted it before this first round. As such, they never got a chance to have this test race. So, you know, yes, there were issues. Were they all their fault? Not all of them. So, you know... That's when I say I'd give them the benefit of the doubt, that it's not really down to them that they weren't able to sort of preempt these these things. But, I mean, like you said, that they're, 
you know, they'd made an effort and they, they talked actually about having three uh, test races and they'd, they'd looked at various locations to do that. Uh, and I still struggled to think that, you know, surely you could have gone somewhere, Chateau Lestor, somewhere, you know, the cars are built in France. They could have been tested in Southwest France. And apparently during this COVID time, even Chateau Lestor has been, has been shut, locked down. So no, there was, there was absolutely no opportunity to, to do that. But George, what, what did you think? Uh, of the actual circuit, of the track itself? Well, I thought it had incredible potential. Uh, it was very spectacular. What a great place. I mean, wow, it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, okay, a slightly, slightly wider track would have been fantastic. I mean, obviously, Christofferson pulled a flanker here and there. He did it twice, didn't he? I would have liked the cars to have double the power, just to, just to be a bit of a petrol head about the whole thing. Which, um, which, which they should have done. They, you know, they... they they cut the power from something like 500 and ah, 520 or something like that horsepower right down to, to under 300 because the, the batteries were overheating. So, you know, that right. I completely agree because, you know, when they were going off the start line with, with 280 horsepower or whatever it was or however many kilowatts, they were, mm -hmm. they were all just flooring it because that was the only yeah, way to get a thing moving. Whereas if you've yeah. got 500 plus, you have to play with it. You know, you don't you? you, you yeah. If you floor you, it, you're going to sit there with, with a whole you bunch certainly, of wheels. You, you, you want to do a car's length before you light it up, don't you? You need the yeah. whole thing moving, and there was otherwise no, there was you no, just dig a hole. There was no need for any moderation mm. on the throttle, which mm. I found just really frustrating. And then the only yeah. thing when yeah. you were into that straight was when to push the hyperdrive, which gives you full power. Um, yeah. But sorry, I interrupt. So if I... No, Rob, if I, if I talk frankly about the whole thing, and, and now before I get absolutely crucified by everybody involved in the professional side of uh, of extreme, so just a, a pure point of view, obviously I was looking for power, so I detected that without being told about it. Um, I'm sure it can be filmed in a way. You can make anything look quicker, uh, or, or you can make anything look quick and you can make anything look slow if you've not, if you've not framed it correctly. Now, some parts of it looked absolutely amazing. The parts where they had the cars side by side racing and overtaking each other, brilliant. Still don't know how Christofferson got passed in front on two occasions because both times that action was completely missed. And I know there's some poor producer probably sitting there flaying himself to death about that. Not that smart. Yeah, I mean, honestly, racing on the sand, yeah, you could have figured out you need to make it wide. You need to, give, you need to have optional lines. We've all seen the films of Dakar. And, and there's a reason why people are spread out over a massive area it is to, to avoid the dust. And that was always going to be the case. It won't be the case everywhere. But you know what? In, in Greenland, I'll, I'll bet it's mud and it'll be mud. And I wonder how the wipers are, you know, things like that. And it, it could be it could be even worse than, than, than the dust because there's no relief from it. If your if your windscreen wipers fail and they don't wash correctly, <laughs> you've got the antifreeze in them. Hope someone takes antifreeze for for screen wash. Um, the 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 drivers left me um a little bit a little bit cold on a couple of occasions um uh, I mean I was obviously I, I'm, as a rally man I was fully expecting Carlos and uh, and Sebastian Loeb to do to, you know to to be very very um, adept and, and and adapt very well the rallycross guys I thought would would pretty well be right up there and. And I was wrong. In fact, they were better, but um, disappointed with a few others. I mean, I watched Stefan Sarazen's accident. I, honestly, he went across a bit of grass and flipped the car up in the air. 
they walked the circuit supposedly. Surely, if you were planning on going over that line, you would have walked it. Those some of those grass. I mean, I've 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 not done a lot of desert work, but I have I have driven in 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 the bush, and I know that you're super careful where you go. And at high speed, when the car's lifting, a tiny wee knock's going to set you off down the road. Not full marks. I mean, I don't want to be criticism criticize a driver. I worked with Sarazan with Stefan on on a couple of occasions, and he's a nice guy. And then I've gone bad mouthed him. Sorry, Stefan. Um, some of the some of the accidents I saw um, needn't have been accidents. One of the accidents that we saw that didn't happen was was Molly Taylor. She picked that up not once but twice. I mean, the car flipped around. She caught it. She anticipated it perfectly. Always a little element of luck, but she she judged it right. Um, uh, there was a couple of other accidents I saw that the drivers almost appeared to allow it to happen. I saw no corrective action when it was com a completely catchable event. Um, the other thing I was slightly disappointed about, I'd been under the impression that the drivers co-drove for each other, which I thought was a brilliant mix, a brilliant idea. So, you know, you've, you've got yeah. Carlos, for instance, driving uh, the first lap and his co-driver driving the second lap and Carlos sits in there and he can give her advice and, 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 and help. And it would be a massive strategy and, and tactic worth a huge amount of time, how well that communication goes. So I was a wee bit disappointed by that. Anyway, enough from me. I've talked for far too long. No, I, I, I agree, George, on, on that. Uh, and, I, you know, we talked a lot in the preview about that. And I don't exactly know how that, A, how it changed to having both of them in the car in the first place and then B, how it changed back. Uh, because when I got there, suddenly it was all, no, 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 no. That was something that was discussed at the outset, but no, it's it's different. But um, the, the the one thing that immediately it is quite interesting to talk about, you know, there is a lot to, of ground to cover here, but what is collectively, what, is, what are our opinions on a gag's proposed uh, lottery, if you like, for, for round two, where what we saw in, in Saudi was, all of the men went first, uh, apart from in one race where Sarah Price went went first in there. I think it was in the sh yeah, it was of course it was in the shootout on on Sunday mm -hmm. morning. But otherwise, it was always you know in the semi final it was Carlos versus Johan versus Seb. I think it was, um, and the next race, Timmy, Oliver Bennett, and and um, whoever was in the other car, I can't remember. But it was always the men, and you know we we were sat in the in the media center saying you know it's this thing that. You know, as you you and your wife are walking out to the car on a drive, uh, and you know the bloke just grabs the car keys, and you know the woman doesn't really get a look in. So mm. a gag was very keen to change this to to mix it up a bit, and to have the women, well, uh, the girls David, racing against the boys. David, but but hang on a sec, George. Mm. But just one thing I want to ask here is, you know, there's two ways of looking at this. As soon as he announced it, um, some of the some of the girls, some of the women drivers were very keen, um, but uh christopherson Loeb, carlos i spoke to them all and they all said we need some element uh of, of strategy here you know they can't take everything away to make great telly they need to give us mm. the chance as teams to do what we well, want to do I molly taylor was actually really interesting on this and molly said she she was actually able to see both sides you know, she she was very pragmatic mm. and said that, you know, inevitably the drivers are going first, the, the men are going first because they they have more experience. That experience allows them to be a little bit quicker. 
Um, and, you know, Molly, this was a bit where the whole fem feminism thing was kind of overlooked, if you like, because Molly is a winner and she would do whatever it took to win. We saw that. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. So exactly. So, you know, she it, it kind of compromised all of that gender equality thing um, immediately yeah. because Molly said, yeah, I'm a woman. I know I'm a bit slower than Johan. Therefore, I'm more than happy for Johan to go first. But so, you know, very... The final, was, the final was decided on the start line of the first lap, wasn't it? All the races were, yeah, but, in fairness. But can you not yeah. see the, 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 the strategy there where, for instance, um, let, let, let's say that you got a lottery of forgetting off the start line first. Now, okay, Johan didn't get off the start line first on, on both occasions, but he did, he did when it mattered. But let's say, look at, look at Carlos, who ended up at the back of the pack and slowed right down. If they had as a strategy put, put the slower driver first and accept the fact that, right, you're going to be slower than those guys, stay as close as you can, avoid the dust, go wide, Carlos jumps into the car for the next race against slower drivers, he's going to get past them and he's going to get a clear lap and, and probably be as fast as the first guys. So... Well, a big that, part of the reason was because, this is what they were saying on the commentary anyway, it takes longer to loosen seatbelt than just to tighten mm. it. And if that is the issue, they are going to continue to put the men first, mm. which isn't a good look. Mm. There was commentators, there was male but, drivers, there was everyone across the weekend yeah. referring to teams as Christopherson's team or, yeah. well, Science's team, obviously, mm. it's called Science, mm. but which does completely, it's not Christopherson's team, it's, it's both their teams, mm. it's Team Rosberg. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was something that grated on me across the entire weekend. I, yeah. I, 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 can, I can see your point there. Dom, what did you think when wasn't right about the first round? What do you think they've got badly wrong but might need to change? Well, one, one of the main points I've got kind of does tie into what we've just uh, discussed, um, and that is the, the track. Now, the reason I say it ties in is... To, to cut a long story short, if we had a shorter course and four laps, it wouldn't matter so much the driver order, so to speak, because the, you know, the race wouldn't be over in one corner. There'd be more elements, more places for things to go wrong, for things to go right. It'd be a more interesting race overall. Now, to expand on the circuit point, um, it was a, a roughly five-mile course. The race was over within 200 metres. Um, it's it's hard, it's hard, isn't it? Because they're 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 trying to be different. You don't want it to be a one mile rally cross track, but at the same time, it's not the Dakar Rally. It's not this big massive thing. So you've got you've got to strike the balance there. Um, George and I were discussing before we came on air that another element of having such a big course is the the broadcast is somewhat diluted. Now, if you were to have a smaller course, you'd You'd see a lot more of it. You'd you wouldn't miss a beat with the cameras. The racing would be more entertaining. There'd be more strategy coming into play because you'd have more laps as a as a direct consequence. Um, oh, there you, speaks a circuit racing fan and not a rally fan because you yeah. can cover many miles on a rally stage and still see all the action. Well, with yeah. a, well with a rally, I mean, I'd I'd counter that by saying you're racing against the clock. So. You know, okay. if you were to have a rally stage that was a million miles long, that would be fine because you're not racing against a, a, a human element, so to speak. You're, you're racing against time. But when you're promising side-by-side -side racing, if this course is that big, you're going to spread out and it's going to 
I mean, we saw this, I mean, going into rallycross, and European races are traditionally six laps long. In the US, the rallycross finals were 10 laps long, and you'd see them spread out because they were covering more of a distance. It was took, took longer. And by lap, you know, seven, eight, nine, the field was spread out and the result was settled. Whereas in Europe, six laps, it's action till the end. So if we were to have a smaller course, I would, you know, say that the racing would be more intense. We'd The fans would see more and the, the drivers and teams would have a lot more elements to play with as well. Hmm. Well, that was... A... I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to think about that yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, thought, I thought the spectacle of it was something that could be advanced upon um, even, even more than it was. I mean, uh, I, I know the, the, the way the format is with the driver change means we're all going, always going to have to be a lap, but what a spectacular lap it was. And with a, yeah, you know, falling, falling with a helicopter would have been amazing. What was the point of that, though? What was the point of that? I think to, to make it look spectacular, I think that's the concept of yeah, it. Yeah, but George, we mentioned earlier, mm. though, Carlos said that, you know, everybody loved the location and the backdrop and you, and you watched that for 30 seconds, mm. a minute, two minutes. But after that, we wanted racing mm -hmm. and we didn't get racing because they, in Carlos's eyes, they chose the wrong route. Mm -hmm. You know, In it this was, case... The landscape is much more important than it would be in Dakar because we are going to these places to showcase it's a beautiful place that needs saving from climate change, whereas we're going to Dakar purely to race. It doesn't really matter what it looks like in the background. So I suppose I have got a case here to argue that the background does need to take some kind of precedence. That's a good point. It, it, do, it does, but, you know, the desert is the desert, isn't it? And, and at the point that Carlos was making is we don't need a mile long straight because as soon as you do that, you, you generate the cars generate so much dust Mm. that you have to lift off and as soon as you lift out lift off on a, on a mile long straight you are 10 seconds behind immediately yeah. and the race is mm. over yeah. so you know send them into the dunes send them into technical sections then you are going to have closer racing uh and that you know i that was one thing that i was i was disappointed with two things that you know the the, the way the course worked out it was unbelievable to stand at the top of that big dune and look down mm. that was breathtaking it was genuinely imagine, yeah. kind of scary to look over the edge and you know your stomach dropped as soon as you went over the top that was amazing but and you know there's always room for that did you drive down um, it but we, i didn't drive down it but it was driven down it okay uh and and it was it was incredible um um but so that was one thing that was disappointing the second thing was that the cars didn't work and i know you know it was an extreme place to go and blah 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 but the the, <laughs> the powertrain were you know they'd use those they're the Gen 2 um, motors and things from Formula E, weren't they? I've heard that there's Formula E tech in there. I couldn't, I couldn't possibly say what it is off the top of my head, but the Formula E point's a good one. Um, and I, got, I, I don't want to be too harsh on, on anyone, especially since I'm not an engineer. You know, the, the, the reason I write about cars is because I wasn't very good at fixing them. And... <laughs> um, e the thing that puzzled me all weekend is you've got a single-seater manufacturer building an off-road car. Now, there was a lot of people online from off-road circles, American off-road circles, you know, pointing out the suspension makeup of the stuff. And, and uh, the suspension was a, an issue over the weekend. Carlos Sainz, I know, has spoken to you, David, about wanting to help out with damper development and stuff. But, yeah, it, it puzzled me that 
a, an open wheel manufacturer or single seater manufacturer was building what is essentially a truck when there are countless off-road truck manufacturers that could have built the car. I, I thought, I thought the drive train, you can as well. put a drivetrain in any, in any vehicle, but um, within reason, obviously. But it, it puzzled me how a company that has only got experience in one thing was doing something completely different mm-hmm. for this for this first time thing. But I mean, it, but the chassis the chassis didn't break. The chassis, you know, the the suspension we can get hung up on this for hours. And you know, there's part mm-hmm. of me that totally agrees. You know, talk to to Leduc and he's running 35 inches of suspension travel on his at the rear of his trophy truck. Where I think it was 12 and a half here. It you know it wasn't suitable, but that's stock. That's the way it is. So. You know, Carlos, get on with it. You know, it's the same as everybody's car, so just deal with I, it. I but, looked at the cars very critically, and I, and I actually the, thought that a, a, I, I was left thinking the same as the same as Carlos and the same as Dominic's saying. But at the same time, I thought, well, it's not a complete and absolute nonsense. You know, it's it's maybe not as good as it could be, but actually, it's not bad. It didn't but, break. Uh, and no, then when it took some big rolls, yeah. and that, so there was still four wheels attached on the damn things. It was strong. <clears throat> So you know the it's tough cookie, yeah. isn't it? The the frustration was with was with the battery that the battery was overheating, mm. uh, and so there's not enough cooling. To- totally um, and absolutely figurable as well. I mean, and totally. I mean, maybe not modelable, but you can certainly it, you can certainly but is that, dyno is test it. Excusable, it. No, George? it's not. It's it, not excusable. It's not at all. Not excusable. It, you know that, and that for me was it was a huge frustration. And they can blether on about not having enough time testing and stuff. Like you say, you can model it, George. Mm. You know, you can do whatever you want with the temperatures. We knew it was going to be an issue. Yeah. Um, and it was, I found that quite annoying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went to, um, when I went to, for my tour of the M Sport garages up at Dovenby Hall, uh, the room that I found most interesting was the room that has an engine going through its paces. It's in its own the little dino, box being tested. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, and that's, that, that kind of technology I find absolutely Fascinating that while we're all asleep in our beds, somewhere an engine is running. Been, <laughs> exactly, it's been tested to see what its limits are. <laughs> yeah, I would have thought that all would have been done, as you say. This is the extreme E championship, yeah. so you have to push everything as hard as it can possibly. Real world testing no, is did. expensive, and and you know proper dyno testing, creating a dyno rig um, uh, 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 for those electric motors would have been expensive to access, but. But there'll be lots of them about. Don't There's care. lots exactly. You don't, don't clear. There's lots of them about. There's lots of atmospheric ch- chambers where you can put the whole drivetrain mm. onto a rig. It doesn't need to be in the car, but but better if it is. And you can run it, and you can put whatever temperatures you want in there, and you can put whatever power demand you want on it, and you can you can you can emulate a a, a circuit one hundred percent, um, and and right. you can do it for hour after hour, recharge after recharge. You will soon figure out that your cooling system's not good enough. I mean, that was a massive drop. That, that. It, it was yeah. completely because you know suddenly, as I say, you know, going off the line, uh, it was all and going up the hill. You know, some of the drivers are saying, you know, it was it was not difficult to get up the hill, but it certainly wasn't mm. the exhilarating feeling that it should have been. And you know, when they were coming off the off the gas to to slow the things down, almost you didn't need to hit the brakes mm. because you know the sand was quite deep yeah. and. That side of things needs to get sorted. Yeah. You know, we we went there to see mm. 500 horsepower essentially against 500 horsepower, not this. Yeah. Uh, and you know, if we go somewhere the next round Senegal or somewhere like Brazil, 
that lack of horsepower will it will be exposed massively because you know suddenly you're trying to pull a Good oh, Lord, right, George. George. Beg, beg your pardon. Sorry, I thought... That's that... some serious at- atmospheric pressure there. I, I actually pushed <laughs> I, I pushed the mute button on the microphone, uh, but forgetting that it, it doesn't mute the, the telephone call, so I didn't bother shielding. I let it go. Sorry. Okay. So to listeners out there, edit. George, George has just done an enormous sneeze. <laughs> it was a good sneeze. Um, but, but, you know, when, you're, when you've got just short of 300 horsepower trying to t- pull a ton and a half round, uh, you know, it's not easy. Um, but it, the biggest frustration was power steering. There was mm. significant yeah, so number of power steering Is that steering what the failures. problem was with for Loban Gutierrez in the final? I, I yes. had thought that there was, it was power yeah. steering that was It would overheat. Here. That it was one overheat. thing that frustrated me from the coverage was that some stuff was referred to and then they didn't tell mm-hmm. us what the problem was. So these are kind of things that often get... And, and as you say, it was all being produced on site, which... As a TV viewer, you may not appreciate quite how difficult mm. it is for everything to be, you know, located. And as you were talking about the, the 4G bubble, David, um, I, it makes it even more incredible that they managed to get a TV program out from there. But, I, but don't forget, Lisa, the it was... communication the, coming our way was a bit com- frustrating as a the viewer. The commentary lease was done from London. Okay. So, But Andrew even Curley more confusing Jenny. there. Yeah, it, it, it was. And the... There was a, a lack of, of information, I think, in the commentary. Um, that side of things, you know, I'm more relaxed about. It was, it was the first time, um, and, you know, that's, that's fine. And, and I but agree. Back to the power steering. Yeah. George, tell us why was the, why was the power well, steering Well, electric problem? power steering has been used on world rally cars, and, and, and a lot of the, a lot of the R, R5 cars have it fitted, and it gave huge problems. Um, I'm not quite sure how many of them are still running electric power steering, but I'm pretty sure they've all gone back to hydraulic because you just can't make it work. It just overheats or defaults and a little software or even even firmware uh, issue will give you a stall in the steering. And, you know, you, you can't have that in, in, the, in the rally environment. It's going to result up in an accident straight away because you're so often reacting, you know, as, as Molly did, obviously incredibly quickly and then... And then other people didn't manage to do it. Maybe that was a glitch in the power steering. But you need to be ready for it. One, one thing I also have to say as well, one of the fabulous surprises was, was Katie Munnings, uh, who I was yeah. quite disparaging of uh, and didn't really give her much of a chance uh, out there. But she, she was great. She absorbed a whole heap of pressure um, in the semi and in the final. And I was a little bit bemused talking to a gag and he was banging on about how she did these incredible saves with the puncture and blah, blah, blah. You know, he is a man who is not familiar with what rally drivers do. And that is what rally drivers do. Mm -hmm. They get a car to the end of a stage with a puncture. It's not a big drama. Um, and so, you know, that was pretty impressive. But for me, what she did after that was, was even more impressive. Mm. Speaking of drivers, what uh, do you think the drivers are going to take away from this gang? Because frustration is a word you've used a lot. There must be a lot of frustration that they can't go back out and do it again from what they've learnt. This this is one thing that's going to be a theme of the championship, I think. It is very, there's a very small window of opportunity in this type of sport. Um, The drivers, how do they go away and prepare effectively for something completely different? Well, talking to Jensen Button, he said, that's it now. You know, the car is back on the on the Centralina and it's away off to West Africa. He won't get a chance again to to drive until shakedown in at the end of next month. And that it you know, the environmental aspect of it is is superb. 
uh, and that you know is something I completely bought into, but it does make it quite difficult. And maybe they should have um, some more cars, some more chassis ready that they could do test days um, for some of the teams. Mm-hmm. Certainly for for some of the the well, other they, the drivers like Button. They need to be they need to be getting one of those cars into an environmental cell and actually sorting some of the issues out, don't they? Really, it was as we've already discussed, the batteries yeah. were obviously either not capacious enough, so they were too too highly drained or not cooled enough. Again, very difficult but to it, fix on it, a boat, I suspect. Here's, here's another one for you, though, team. Where do we stand on, okay, uh, Claudia Hurtgen is a very accomplished racing driver. I was talking to Zach Brown about her on Sunday, and Zach said, oh, she was my teammate in 1990-whatever, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. She is a great racing driver. Jensen Button is a great racing driver. You know, there's lots of great racing drivers out there. How did we feel about someone like Kyle, the Duke, and and Sarah Price? You know, extremely accomplished off-road racers on the same bit of circuit as somebody who really knew very, very little about driving on on the loose and on that kind of in that kind of environment. Is that sensible? You know, you wouldn't in a Formula One race. You wouldn't get somebody coming straight out of 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 karting or whatever and going straight into Formula One. Is it is it sensible? I I don't think it's not sensible so to speak i mean i've had i've had quite a bit of experience with this uh working in rallycross so um a series i'd I'd worked with quite closely in 2019 titans rx we would have guest drivers at each round some of them were rally drivers some of them circuit racers some of them rallycross drivers and you'd have in a round you'd have the hansons who you know they knew the sport inside out so you know you don't worry about them then you'd have Abby Eaton and Ollie Webb come in who've never seen a gravel track in their life. And then um, Hayden Padden and Craig Breen, who've never raced. And there was never Breen, any... Breen has done a, a huge amount of karting, don't forget. True, but but like he's never you know raced cars in, in this sort of environment. And there was never any doubt from our side that this you know is a concern and it's not just in that series we see it in 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 rallycross quite a bit um especially over in in like the x games and stuff in the past so i i don't think it's a massive concern i mean at the end of the day a professional driver is a professional driver for a re for a reason excuse me um they can handle a car and they can handle a car well um yes there were i mean we bring up the the shootout incident um between Hurtgen and um and Leduc and you know there's there's many ways you can look at that. I'm not gonna go into that. But no, that's, I, let, I, for me go, I, I I don't go think into it, it. it was yeah, a good into it. Well, you know, there's arguments that Hurtgen was, was too slow and Leduc was pushing too hard for for um for the, the sort of for, for the for the for seventh, yeah. Um but I, I don't think I, I think you could have that issue with two rally drivers. You could have that issue with two circuit racers. I don't think it was fair on either of them to say they've got a different background. That's what caused the accident. Or but it was her. Was it not her lack of experience of driving on that surface that caused her to go slowly in that section? I mean, you could um, you could argue that, but then you could argue was Leduc pushing too hard when he doesn't need to. And that's that's the sort of point well, I'm making. Say, that you on, can't, Dominic, yeah, it's a you race, can... for goodness no, sakes. We're, going, not, we're going flat sorry. out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and and, and, and um... he'd, he'd, he'd had a terrible weekend mm-hmm. 
you know, I can totally see the whole, you know, pushing for seventh. Was it really worth it? He'd, you know, he had got a whole heap to prove. We went yeah, into I... that event essentially saying this guy is favorite. These, you know, mm. Sarah and him are the ones. Watch them go. And it just went from bad to worse, to, from worse to, you know, just the most appalling weekend. When he got out there, he was 26 seconds behind her. He was on an absolute mission. Yeah to catch her and pass her. And it, you know, just the fact that as he was going into that road jump bit, the road, the bumps over the road, he hit the hyperdrive thing. He had 500 horsepower. She was on a strange line, uh, which she was admittedly, she was in the same place that she'd had a massive crash the day before. But you know, for me, Kyle said, you know, it was almost like hitting a parked car. You know, it was just, and you could see that, you know, from both onboards, he came out of nowhere. And, you know, for her to say that the car was, his car was kind of out of control, it was certainly in the air and it was, you know, there was an he awful was racing, attitude he was doing, on the car. He was doing what he was meant to do. He, he, hadn't, he, he would have crashing. sorted that car yeah, out. Exactly. No, it, yeah. you know. Something, yeah. something that she never managed to do when she had her accident. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just looking at it from, from, from both sides of the coin, really. I mean, if I was to give my view, I mean... I, I, was, I would say that that you know I, I would be I would argue in favor of Leduc in that situation, but yeah, like I say, I'm just you know trying to look at it from both sides. Ultimately, um, it was Leduc's fault. It he crashed hmm. into her. It was his yeah. fault. Uh, you know, there's there's no way around that. Um, but you know, I think we have to ask questions, or sh- maybe she has to ask herself questions. And you know, it's not really good enough to say, I don't see why he was pushing so hard for seventh place. It's a race. You want to win a race, um, and. I, I just found that all quite curious. That and, and like he said, you know, it was only in that section that she was really, really slow because yeah. he thought he would have caught her quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and certainly, you know, if she'd been at that speed for the rest of the lap, he would have caught her way, way quicker. So she was clearly on it um, earlier in the lap. And it must have just been the fact that she, she was a little bit stressed about being in the same section uh, for the first time since she crashed. But then, you know, as so- he was coming down the hill, you could totally, you could virtually look into that car and see the red mist down. He could see her. He was lining her up at the road, and he didn't. And he didn't expect he just, to find her stopped in the road, more or less. No. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is that if you're if you're the car behind, somebody in front could have a mechanical failure, so they could be stopped in the road. So you do not crash into them. It is, you know, that's that's where it was his fault. Yeah. You know, uh, he has no I idea think, what's happening with the car the, in front. And it doesn't matter whether she'd slowed up yeah. or not. If she'd had a mechanical yeah, failure yeah, yeah. at that point, yeah. then, then you know, it would still that's be his fault. That's the issue with and racing in dust, isn't he, it? He couldn't that's see. That's going to be the issue with racing in dust. Well, exactly, he, the he, dust. The dust was uh, such anyone's a, fault. a game changer. It was, the, it was, the it, it was but, issue, wasn't it? The circumstance. But it was. But he, talking to him, I said this about the dust. And he said, look, if I lifted every time I came into dust, I would never win anything in America. Yeah. He lives in the dust. He lives in the sand. And he's happy with it. And this kind of, is kind of the prompt for my question that we've got this guy who is happy to keep it lit through the dust, you know, to an extent within reason where other people simply aren't. Um, and the minute you're coming off the throttle in these cars, you know, it's slowing them down so quickly and you're in very deep sand uh, and it slows it down even more. And so I, you know, it was his fault because he crashed into a, but I did have a, a significant amount of sympathy for him because you know, he was just trying to get himself back on track after what had been a fairly short. Again, weekend. a rally driver might have but had a bit it, more patience his... to have understood. Not here. I'll wait for a bit yet. 
Yeah. I mean, he didn't, he didn't need yeah. to do that because it's only done on position. He was cl- he had plenty of time to get past her. He did. It, yeah. it was a non-rally driver's mistake in a way. Uh, but, he'd, but, but he'd hit the hyperdrive, George, mm. and, and he said, you know, once you've hit that button, you can't kind oh, of take right. it okay, back. Okay, fair enough. Uh, you, and, and you get four seconds yeah. of like, watch this. I have a question. I think, that, so sorry. Don't, oh, sorry. Anna, I was going to ask you, actually, Anna. I've got a question to ask. I was just going to say, um, I think the worry is if this is an issue that goes on to compound itself because um, the less experienced drivers like uh, Button, Chadwick, um, Hurtgen sort of on that, this style of racing, um, obviously got less time in the car than the others because they're mm. not getting as far through. Chadwick didn't turn a competitive wheel. Yeah. So they're getting less and less experience as the more experienced drivers are getting more and more time in the car. And as if this continues as the series goes on, we are going to have a really big sort of knowledge and experience gap. And I think that's going to be the worry if that continues. That was she, yeah. Jamie Chadwick was the one you absolutely had to feel incredibly sorry oh, for. Terrible. She, you know, she went all that way and did one lap uh, in shakedown as well. Like you say, not a, a competitive wheel turned. And it, that's my feeling is that they need to find some way. Uh, to help these drivers between the events um, to put on some testing. Why is it? I mean, it's a single well, league series. Do we need Why to consider some cars? kind of license? Why is there not spare cars? For goodness' sakes, they they yeah. they didn't take spare cars because they don't want to take any more freight than they absolutely have to from the environmental aspect. It's a boat. Uh, it makes no they, difference. Uh, yeah. Well, no, George, you've got to get this. Unfortunately, it does. An extra ton and a half on a boat does apparently make difference. It it makes the boat work harder. It makes the engine work harder. There's more CO2. That's a fact. You know, we know that it's absolutely negligible. But, you know, if you start to say a ton and a half doesn't matter, then does two tons or four tons or six tons. So I can understand why they didn't want to, but I think it was the wrong decision. I think there should have been a spare car there. Is there a licensing question here? That we, you know, we see that various championships insist on a certain level of driving, that you have to be qualified in your Formula One or your rally, whatever. We're talking about, as you mentioned, drivers that have different experiences and are all great drivers in their own field, literally for some, mm. that, they, that, that we need to have some kind of um, measure that shows they're all competent of driving on different surfaces and in different conditions. Well, I, I was going to say something kind of along those lines. If you look at the Indianapolis 500, you can have the greatest, most experienced driver ever, let's say Fernando Alonso, for the sake of argument. And if he's never raced on an oval before, he has to go through a rookie orientation program. Now, it doesn't matter if he's a 19-year-old kid or a 40-year-old with two Formula One world titles and a, a world endurance title, he has to go through a rookie test. He cannot race until he's gone through the rookie test. So my sort of suggestion to you guys would be, do you think if, say, the Friday of an event that the circuit racers, so to speak, had an extra half an hour in the car, where so your, your Hurtguns, your Chadwicks, um, your Jensen Buttons, if they got half an hour in the car on Friday, whereas the off-road guy, guys and girls, uh, men and women don't, do you think that would help solve the issue? No, you, you, it absolutely would. You're dead right, Dom. But try selling that to Sebastian Loeb and Carlos Sainz. That's, know, that's a good point. They are competitive. and the, Not the, a chance. Yeah. They, they just wouldn't it, it would buy it. It would be a it. massive and, advantage. Yeah. Too, too and, big. you know, Carlos is... 
argument would be, you know, I'm I'm in this championship because I have a chance of winning it, mm-hmm. and that chance comes from the experience I've got. If you haven't got experience, then go away. Come back in five years when you've got the experience. It goes back to the driver draw thing we were talking about earlier, doesn't it? And and you know how many gimmicks are too many, sort of thing. How about a virtual experience? Are we talking now? We're looking at taking this sport into the future. Have we got the technology to stick someone in a virtual environment where they can um, actually rerun this race and see? I mean, I know it's never going to feel entirely the same, but we are getting to the point with virtual reality that you can feel and see a different environment around you while a computer maybe does chuck you around like you're on that Frankly, surface. wouldn't we start well, yeah, losing I mean, the world to how... love listening to that? I'm sorry, mate, you're going to have to hang on because we're in the 21st century now. You're going to have I to have run to catch up. To like, live. How, how accurately can you <laughs> simulate an off-road environment that's constantly changing that, that won't even look the same today as it did on Sunday afternoon? You know, you can laser scan a racetrack and you can recreate it virtually and it'd be 99% of the way there. You know, a photograph of this place won't even look like it does in person. So how can you truly get a full digital representation of it? And then we'll come back to this in 10 years. But I'm sure they they can. They can do that with with some bizarre, fancy programming algorithms or whatever, just to say that every time you go into that corner, the grip level's different. There's more But they couldn't undulation. even work out if it was going to be dusty or not, so that does seem quite a big leap. <laughs> yeah. No, no, sorry, sorry, Anna, I was Anna, talking that was, about that the... That was just the, lack the, of the... imagination there, Anna. That was all that was. It wasn't but dusty I, I was talking about before. people who make, who make like dirt, dirt 4 or whatever, those kind of computer programmers. I'm sure they could do that. I don't, I don't think that um, Extreme E people could. I don't think, unfortunately, I, I, look, I see, uh, Lisa, sorry for being so glib with you uh, a few moments ago, but basically I think you probably can do a reasonable simulation of something, but it's not going to translate to the terror of going down that hill, of, of hitting, a, hitting a mm. bump when you're, I mean, well, Claudia, what speed was she doing when she rolled? She was going a reasonable speed. I'd have said she was doing maybe 130, 140 kph, maybe a wee bit mm. faster. And and the the car jumped at her, you know, but going sideways at but again, George, miles I, an hour. I was quite exciting. I was amazed at at how people were astonished at this enormous accident and blah blah blah. You know, it wasn't a big accident. A at all. I'm sitting there thinking, it wasn't great, not because there anything. was lots energy dissipated. Exactly, uh, lovely. And the longer and it goes on, was, the better it is. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. There was no and, there was no issues at all. <laughs> Only one car was withdrawn for a damaged roll cage. And and I mean that that. That was just bizarre. Yeah. You know, the damage to that cage essentially came from where, if you look at it, it's exactly where the antenna sits yeah. above it. Yeah. Uh, and it was the antenna being crushed yeah. that well, damaged the cage. They've quite clearly not you adopted know, was... all the FI rules. Why they chose to adopt that particular rule when, when we know those roll cages are made from a malleable steel that will bend and yeah. bend and bend again and not break. There was no issue with it mm. at all whatsoever. There was nothing there no, to that was, hit. It was a travesty for that Veloci car. It was a, tra- it was and a travesty, and, and, and people need to actually, you know, you've got an open series there. You know, sure, apply all the safety, of course, maximum, but actually take a step back from some of the administrative pencil neckery that sometimes goes on when people take things to the nth degree, worried about fairness. This is a, this is a contrived series, beautifully contrived, brilliantly contrived. Mm-hmm. Uh, cleverly formed, which is, is allowing itself to adapt. They don't need to rigidly f- stick to some particular rule. Adapt it. Make it work. 
yeah. keep keep sporting fairness, but don't start to get people out of it for nothing. The penalties, the time penalties, you know, where people oh. incurred time penalties was <laughs> was non-competitive. So it's done for safety reasons. Fine, give them, you know, make make them go and pick up litter on the beach for an extra hour. There's your penalty. You know, don't give them a time penalty. There was, there was no yeah. gain from it at all. It was just a mistake. No sporting advantage. No. End of. It's ridiculous to be applying that. Okay, a little bit more common sense needed in some of that. But again, as we've all said, they're building it up. They'll go away with a, an absolute dearth of knowledge from this. And I'm sure they'll come back with a, a refined... You know, we are running out of time. To... David, I'm, I'm just going to have to interrupt because we are, we are kind of running out of time. And there's just one, one big question I do want to ask. All these cars... Um, that did need fixing now. You, you've mentioned they've been put back on the ship, on, on Helena. Uh, when are they worked on? When are they going to be... How, do, how does it... How do we go... You know, what happens they, now? Are they, they park Fermi till the next event? Or? No, no, no. They're all just chucked back on the boat and the boat Broken sets sails. In bits? Yeah, whatever. They, they, they get um, taken back to Jeddah. Uh, so, so, so when, when the race finishes, there's no time for the drive... For the no, they start, they start packing them down. Um, they don't. They don't do any kind of polish and shine up and get the dirt out and uh, put them. Then they get. They get to the event. The next event earlier. If this was all slightly compromised, or this time, or complicated by the incident in the Suez Canal. Um, <laughs> and they were trying to work out if the traffic jam uh, had gone because there were four hundred ships waiting to get north through the Suez Canal. Uh, and the and the captain of the St. Helena was saying, you know, maybe we're better just to sit here and wait. So if that was the case, if there was still a big traffic jam at the Suez Canal, they probably would have left um, the garages up and they would have done some reprep there. If not, they break it down, they get them on the boat and they, because as you know, George, logistically, you want to get your boat to its destination as quickly as possible because you don't know but, if... But they don't so, work on the boats. No, 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 the they person. don't work on the No, because the, when the boat... You mean in transit lease or? Well, that's why I just wondered if I just wondered if they were, they had like small service areas in different parts no, of the ships. No, no. The, the, it's it's a cargo ship, so it's essentially okay. you look down into it, and it, there's just a whole bunch of of cargo in there, and then there's nine uh, extreme e cars strapped to the side of the boat, um, and the boat goes off to Senegal now. When it gets to Senegal, you can't work on the cars in the boat; they would have to uh, to get all of the kit off. Uh, and then get to the to the race site, the race location early, and start doing the reprep there. Um, so, but just you know, the one thing there is one thing that I do want to say about the the championship. You know, I I still believe it is fantastic. It has a great great future. Uh, the one thing that we haven't touched upon really is is one of the absolute pillars of the series is the environmental aspect. This again was something that I was enormously cynical and skeptical of going into it and there was there was one guy that absolutely and as well as that you know what the hell were we doing going to saudi arabia with enormously questionable human rights uh you know the world's second biggest oil producer and we're going to teach the world to be green from there really but there was one guy that absolutely sold us on it uh, and it wasn't alejandro agag it was professor richard williams from from oxford university yeah. a, a professor in desertification you know, I never, ever, I, I never thought I would see the day that I would sit down and understand what a man of his academic excellence was talking about. But he put it in exactly the right terms that somehow we have to shine a light on this. And, you know, for years and years, there's been no atmospheric taxing for, for what Saudi's done, for the oil that Saudi sold. 
So suddenly we had this opportunity to take some money off the Saudis because without a doubt, even though a gag wouldn't tell me, they Saudi has paid to host the opening round of Extreme E. So we've taken their money and we're using that money for good because, you know, like Richard Williams said, he he writes these these incredibly highbrow papers about this whole climate change process. And in his own words, he said, you know, we celebrate when we get our citations into double figures. Yet there he was sitting down talking to journalists who are now going to talk, not me, but, you know, other journalists who are going to talk to millions of people. You know, my cousin, who has zero interest in, in, in motorsport, sent me a text and said, are you in Saudi for this extreme E thing? And she knew all about it. And then by extension, she knew all about the, the, the aspect. She knew the fact that, you know, the turtles struggle with climate change. We get more female turtles because the way that the, the gender is, is defined is, is to do with the, the temperature of, of, at, at the point where they're, they're born or the late fertilization of the egg or something. I knew nothing about this. It still sounds like I know nothing about this, but I know a little bit more now than I did um, before. And that's great because, you know, suddenly now I can go away and talk about microplastics in the ocean. And, and this is his point, you know, he said, you know, I was really surprised the sort of juxtapositions that we had. We went out to help these turtles, to save these turtles. We did a half hour journey in probably 30 V8 powered GMCs. What? How's that work? <laughs> and, but, but like, you know, when Shining we got out of the car, I said yeah. to this, I said exactly that to Richard Williams, mm-hmm. you know, how, how can you square that circle? Uh, and he said, you know, scientists can talk to scientists and we get nowhere. We have to start talking to, to people who, who, who are going to talk to other people mm-hmm. outside of this. And it, it was exactly that. And, you know, it just, it made sense. Um, this, the whole aspect The more we can that. talk and, about it, the more we can separate out the issues and identify them all individually. And when they get identified all, all individually and not just lumped into one big terrible thing, we can actually work, we can pick away and work at them. Pollution. When I was young, it was all pollution. It was all doom and gloom. The Great Lakes in America mm. were dead, dead lakes. They were, mm. they were literally, they were bubbling away with pollution. They've, they've, been, they've been to a great extent healed, but you can't lump yeah. everything in with, you know, global gl- well, climate change, uh, this and that and the next thing. Plastic in the oceans, deadly serious. Rubbish, pollution yeah, going into it, the oceans, deadly serious. Separate issues. We need to separate them out individually, identify them. Not everybody will agree with everything, but there's very few people that won't agree that pollution is bad. And it's just such a basic, simple thing. The very people that, that accept but, it are the people that drop litter out their car or go to the park and leave a mm. pile of stuff behind them. You know, th- these are the people we need to get. Climate change denies don't help, Yeah, George. well, no, absolutely they don't. And, I mean, you know, climate change is, is very, very easy to see. The causes of it are the, are, the, are the subject of massive scientific argument behind the scenes. Publicly, it's an accepted factor. But there are lots of scientists that will argue it in many different ways. And these are the but, things know, we need to just refine very, and work out. Desertification, very, massive issue. Exactly, George. Massive where issue. Where we were, you know... The, they showed us in Saudi, you know, where the, the, the desert has grown into. And it's mm. quite remarkable yeah. how quickly this is happening. Yeah. And it's only by going there and seeing it. And, you know, also by taking these, these eminent scientists who are willing to, to essentially lay their, their reputations Absolutely. on the line. Absolutely, which is a tough uh, thing. And, and, but he said, you know, he, he'll go back to Oxford 
uh, and he'll take an awful lot of flack from from the people within his department who go outside every week and cut their grass with a scythe because they refuse to use an electric or a, or a, a petrol engine lawnmower. Mm. You know, the you know. So for me, it was a massive step forward. Mm. That was something that disappointed me a little bit. Um, I watched a broadcast on Sunday for about five hours altogether, and there was very little about that. The, I didn't hear you know, about feminisation so, of turtles or whatever. This is exactly no, the point, Anna. I've got to say, is one of the big issues that I've got is is pre-race. We are totally fixed on, on you know, fixing the turtles and, and cleaning the beach and all that. And it's brilliant. But then the minute we got to Alula, completely forgotten. And, you know, you can have Andrew Coley on the commentary. Brilliant Andrew Coley lobbing in the odd line about, don't forget, you know, we are. Jenny Gow. Yes. Yeah. All of them. You know, Karun Chanduk did a fantastic job. But they're there to talk about the racing. Uh, and they somehow need to to bring that. Um, that aspect in and weave it through the weekend. Otherwise, we didn't, we're wasting our no, time. No, we didn't see any of these clips of you on the beaches or no. with the pollution. It, it was just focused on the racing. And that that's when people tune in. It's a massive opportunity. that they And I was watching another channel that only had an hour and it only showed the racing. And there was they did have uh, Professor Richard Williams on and he was fascinating. He spent most of his time in the Arctic or the Antarctic, mm. one or the other, um, and and was was very interesting. But it is very much. It was presented very much as a a filler piece, as they would, you know. Yeah. It's like, All right, we'll yeah. talk to him. Then we'll get to the bit that we're going to yeah. focus on. Exactly. We have run out of time though. For oh, now, I was going to. Say. I was just going to make one go, last go. point. Well, go. I mean, jump in. Not to diminish the environmental aspect, I'm a million percent on board with with that, and and agree with everything that's been said. But there's a really handy byproduct to all of this for us because you look at people's sort of mine and Anna's age, we're not interested in cars generally these days. You know, the younger generation are turning off motorsport, but they're very on board with trying to make the world a better place. So we've got this racing series that's trying to make the world a better place. That's introducing motorsport to a whole new audience. And so we're going to get new motorsport fans as a result of that from areas that or from from demographics that probably wouldn't care less um usually and i think that's a nice byproduct to have i mean if we can make the world greener better fantastic but i I think i think we should also acknowledge that if we can get more motor racing fans as well brilliant and just to add, you're opening up to a whole fifty percent more of the population's demographic by having these female drivers that are absolutely, yeah, absolutely. going to get more women involved. I can see from myself. Do what we have to do, Anna. We absolutely have to take away that 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 whole aspect, which is so bloody frustrating. Of like you say, Christopherson's team, and I was as guilty yeah. as anybody. Um, but equally, when when Molly was racing, I always referred to it as Molly's team. Yeah, and, uh, and, and that's fine. Um, I just noticed from some people who weren't. Um, and you don't mm. think it does matter. The first time I watched W Series, I was like, I don't care that it's going to be a woman win. And of course it's going to be a woman. They're all women. But it did. Seeing a woman on that top step, it, mm. I did feel something. I really didn't think I would. <laughs> um, and that's, that's exceptional. But now we need to make sure that we are, you know, I found it absolutely embarrassing. And it was semi-final, crazy race, final. And it was all the blokes. It was just an absolute joke. You know, yeah. it really was that moment of going mm-hmm. to the key box to get the car key and the bloke saying, let me take it. You know, I'll drive. And, and talking to people 
you know, of a, of a similar age to you, Anna, people that were there and they were saying that, that some of the women were saying, it's exactly that. It's like, oh, I'm the man. Let me get us out into a good lead. Then you little lady, you can go and take the car out and just see what you can do. It was pathetic. Mm. It really and was. We but can't be showing that to the audience. We, no, we can't. it just undermines the whole point Absolutely of it. Absolutely. But we do have that. to. We do have to respect 100% Molly's point that she wants to win. And if she feels winning means uh, the, the, the best way to win is to give Johan the car first. We have to respect that. That's a strategic team decision. And, but I do think that somehow we have to change this, this nonsense, because that, for me, was a massive step backwards. Seeing those I'm men. going to have to be softly, softly catching monkey. I am going to have to cut us off now. We are Boom. out of time. If you, <laughs> if you have enjoyed listening to this three-hour <laughs> version of Spin Does Extreme, uh, why not get in touch? At Dirtfish Rally on Twitter. Send us your thoughts of the first round of the Extreme E Championship. We're going to keep our eye on the next four rounds, is it? We've got another four or five to come. But, yep, four, um, another four. It's dirtfish.com is your place for all the latest news and information about everything motorsport. Dominic, Anna, David, George, thank you so much for all your expertise. I feel highly enlightened after a brilliant Love hour. Love chatting to everyone. Thank you. Thank you.